0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: We have made it. Today officially begins the greatest three-week stretch on the sports calendar it is full-blown conference tournament week where all the big dogs get into the fold today we're talking high major conference tournament action and this is certainly march we go around the association as well here on a thursday on the morning after on sports grid and sirius xm channel 159 i am ben stevens college basketball the nba The NFL news cycle seems to never stop, especially as it pertains to quarterbacks in the last couple of days and a sad update about Major League Baseball. Hey, maybe just get a new deal done so we have something to look forward to after the NCAA tournament and the NBA playoffs wrap up but hey we'll go all over and give you every update and all the latest information you need to know trend perspective number and otherwise to make you a more informed and better sports better that is our charge that is our creed each and every weekday right here on the morning after on the spizz grid. so let's begin in the nfl because being a quarterback in the national football league the last 48 hours has led to a lot of movement for teams and in the marketplace as well yesterday carson wentz being traded from the indianapolis colts to the Washington Commanders in exchange for two third round picks, a third round pick in this upcoming 2022 NFL draft and another third round pick for 2023 given that Carson Wentz plays 70% of his snaps or more this upcoming coming season so Carson Wentz from Indianapolis to Washington in exchange for those two third round picks and yesterday on the show we looked at the marketplace following the blockbuster news of both Aaron Rodgers returning to Green Bay and of course Russell Wilson being traded from Seattle to Denver the market moved like crazy both on the Packers price the Broncos price and then because of those two monumental moves from those two monumental quarterbacks the market around moved as well Carson Wentz going to Washington didn't have exactly the same manipulation in the same movement in the marketplace. But let's take a look at the commies, the commander's odds for this upcoming 2022 NFL season. Let's start at the bottom there with that Super Bowl price for Super Bowl 57, Washington 55 to one right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win next year's Super Bowl. Tied for the ninth longest odds in the entire NFL alongside the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Carolina Panthers. The NFC Championship odds though, slightly more in the commander's favor. 23 to 1, the 10th best odds in that conference. It's also interesting. I mentioned the 55 to 1 price for Washington, the same as Carolina to win the Super Bowl, but in the NFC, that 23 to 1 price. On the Commanders is $3 ahead of where the Carolina Panthers stand right now. and Maybe most importantly, as we start with a big-picture perspective and dive it all the way down into the divisional market, Washington right now, the third-best odds or the second-longest odds, depending on how you want to conceptualize it, at 5-1 to to win the NFC East division. We will go through the NFC East, and you will see the Dallas Cowboys are an odds-on favorite to win the NFC East next year minus 125 the price on the boys they are one of three teams in three divisions across the entire national football league with a minus money odds on favorite price the other two the green bay packers a heavy favorite at minus 220 to win the nfc north those odds getting much stronger after the aaron Rodgers news and the buffalo bills in the afc east minus 180 a welcome to our sports grid radio audience here the opening hour of the morning after on a thursday on the spiz grid sirius xm channel 159 all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well i am ben stevens this thursday is a wonderful thursday conference tournament week in full swing across the country in college basketball games start in less than two hours and go for 14 more hours after that the true beginning of the greatest three-week stretch on the sports calendar in this month of madness that we know as march we go around the association as well and here to begin the opening hour of tma The NFL never, never stops, especially as it comes to quarterbacks in the last two or three days or so across the league. Of course, 48 hours ago, Aaron Rodgers returns to Green Bay. Russell Wilson shipped from Seattle to Denver in a blockbuster deal for the Broncos and the Seahawks. And then yesterday, more breaking news out of the NFL. Carson Wentz traded from the Indianapolis Colts. To the washington commanders the new franchise quarterback for washington who apparently was looking around the market for many a qb and inquiring for many a quarterback across the nfl even making a pitch for russell wilson to become the new quarterback of the commanders but like russell wilson and like aaron Rodgers, that moved the market in a tremendous amount of ways Wentz going to Washington, as you see there, in exchange for two third-round picks and then a swap of the second-round picks for this upcoming 2022 NFL draft between Washington and Indy as well. The Carson Wentz trade didn't necessarily move the market as much. Washington had no movement in their favor in the Super Bowl category, still 55 to 1, tied for the ninth longest odds in the league, 23 to 1 in the NFC, the 10th best odds and the third best or second longest, 5 to 1 to win the NFC East. The Cowboys in the NFC East, the favorites at minus 125, one of three divisions, three of the eight in the NFL, with an odds on minus money favorite the last time we saw Carson Wentz and let's not forget this and here's how I feel about Carson Wentz and his future as a long-term sustainable successful quarterback in the NFL the last time we saw Wentz he was the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts who were a 15-point favorite on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars and all the Colts needed to do was win that football game to get into the postseason they lost outright by 15 points college basketball that's the focus next i said it just a couple of minutes ago at the top of this program on a thursday on the morning after we have made it college basketball today in important conference tournament games throughout this conference tournament week begins at 11 a.m eastern time just over an hour and a half from now it then continues straight for approximately the next 15 hours after yeah 15 hours of college basketball On this Thursday, where games mean everything, where bids to the NCAA tournament are on the line, where bubbles are hoping to not be burst, and where seed lines in the big dance are at stake as well. We have made it. This is a Thursday on the morning after in Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. This begins the greatest three-week stretch of college hoops on the sports calendar, possibly the best three-week stretch of the sports year. Let's enjoy the ride and let's get ready for the ride in the zone. You
0: can't beat the zone.
1: We set you up for everything you need to know today by looking back on the action yesterday, a Wednesday throughout conference tournament week where all of the high major conferences got involved and into the mix. And it was a great day, a wild day at the ACC tournament in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center let's begin with one of the first games of the day the second game inside Barclays Boston College pulling off a tremendous upset in overtime over Wake Forest 82-77 the final in favor of the Eagles BC wins outright as a 10 point underdog Talk about madness in the month of March. The number 13 seed in the ACC tournament. BC has already won two games. They beat Pittsburgh in their opener by 20 points. So BC has covered, of course, in both of their ACC games so far. And Boston College as an underdog, a 10-point underdog outright winner yesterday. They've covered in five of their last eight, they have gone over in three of their last four. But the main story of yesterday was about the failed opportunity of Wake Forest. They had odds to make the NCAA tournament field of 68 on the FanDuel Sportsbook at minus 240, but the Demon Deeks firmly a bubble team. Now they will have an excruciating next four days as they wait. To selection Sunday squandering an opportunity to pick up a win they needed in the ACC tournament it wouldn't have been a great win over BC but you could ill afford that loss and Wake Forest will now certainly sweat as we get ready for selection Sunday again the Demon Deacons a 10-point favorite yesterday who were minus 240 to make the NCAA tournament before that loss to Boston College yesterday the first game up At the Barclays Center on a Wednesday in Brooklyn. My alma mater, the Syracuse Orange, lived to fight another day by absolutely hammering Florida State, winning by 39 points, 96. 57 Syracuse wins outright as a two and a half point underdog the first time in the last four games for the orange that Syracuse has covered as a dog still below 500 ATS as an underdog six and seven against the number now Cole Swider led the way for the orange yesterday 28 points 13 boards Buddy Beheim, the son of Jim of course 14 points three of nine shooting from deep but the story around this game in the aftermath was not so much SU's 39 point victory and winning outright as a two and a half point underdog it was a punch thrown by Buddy Beheim in the first half against FSU's Wyatt Wilkes they were battling for positioning inside some frustration boiled over and Buddy Beheim threw a right punch unsolicited at the stomach wyatt Wilkes, nothing was whistled on the floor no foul was called during regulation and they did not review the action which looked to be what is known in college basketball as a flagrant two but after the game the acc suspending buddy bayheim for today's contest to get things started at the barclays center against duke now we can debate on whether or not this suspension is warranted in my opinion It is not, because based on the letter of the law, no review happened during the course of the game. We can't go back afterward if we are not following the rules during the game. Was it right of Buddy Beheim? Absolutely not. It was not a clean play in the spirit of the game. And Buddy himself issued an apology after the game, taking full accountability for the wrongdoing in his action. I do not believe, though, Buddy Beheim should be suspended for this Duke game and Syracuse, a 13-point underdog against the Dukies today, this could essentially end the career of Buddy Bayheim in an orange jersey—the jersey worn by his father and who he is coached by as well—an unfortunate circumstance for the ACC tournament, Buddy Bayheim, Syracuse, and even Duke. I mean, listen, Florida State's head coach yesterday, Leonard Hamilton—Leonard Hamilton, excuse me—said he didn't believe Buddy Bayheim should be suspended. Wyatt Wilkes said Buddy apologized profusely after the game. He didn't enjoy it in the moment, but he didn't expect any further punishment for Buddy. So, hey, at the end of the day, Buddy Bayheim will miss the game today against Duke. Again, opening up as a 13-point favorite against Syracuse. Duke won seven straight prior to that regular season finale loss as a 11-point home favorite against North Carolina, losing that game by 13 points, 94-81. But against the Orange this year... Duke has been dominant, winning both games by at least 20 points. Also, pay attention to that total today, around 150 and a half, 151 for Duke and Syracuse. Duke over in four of its last five games. Syracuse over in five of its last six. Duke has averaged 88 points per game in the two matchups against the Orange this year. It will be a very tough road to even cover that big spread without Buddy Beheim for the Orange today, but maybe a rally spot one final time. So as we continue to go around the conference tournament action throughout the country this week in the Pac-12, it is madness and it is certainly March. Stanford comes back in a wild rally late in their Pac-12 tourney opener against Arizona State. The Cardinal win 71-70. James Keith hitting a game winner at the buzzer to allow Stanford to prevail victorious. Stanford ended the game, folks, on a 16 16- to one run against the sun devils arizona state was up by 14 points 69 to 55 the score with three minutes left in the basketball game for somebody that bet arizona state minus four and a half yesterday i look and see that and asu was up by nine with a minute and a half i'm like fantastic this is not even a sweat and they cough it down their leg there at the end blowing a 14 point lead in the final three minutes and again stanford ending the game on a 16 to one run stanford winning outright as a four and a half point underdog they have covered in three of their last four games as a dog including against arizona in the final two weeks of the regular season stanford gets the top seeded cats the arizona wildcats the pac-12 regular season champs today in arizona entering the tournament in the pac-12 was minus 140 to win the entire thing from the pac-12 to the big 12 we go to kansas city missouri and the only game we saw In the Big 12 tournament yesterday, an opener between the 8 9 in West Virginia and Kansas State. And it's the Mountaineers getting the win over the Wildcats, 73 67. As we told you yesterday, and most of this handicapping coming from our dear friend, old K Dubs, Kevin Walsh, who astutely pointed out the fact that both. Kansas State and West Virginia played a ton of overs throughout conference action. The main focus was that total of 138 in a hook yesterday. It finishes at 140 between the two with a final score of 73-67, going over one final time for Kansas State this year in Big 12 play. K-State ends the year. Going over in 15 of their 19 Big 12 games. That is the highest over percentage in conference games in the entire country, 79% of the time hitting the over. But West Virginia is not done. West Virginia gets Kansas today, and the Mountaineers have gone over in 14 of their 19 Big 12 games by an average margin, hitting the over of 6.6 points per game. West Virginia gets Kansas today, like I mentioned, the Jayhawks a 9 point favorite against wvu with the total at 146 and a half kansas despite being the number one seed was not the favorite to win the big 12 tourney entering that would be the baylor bears at plus 230 kansas was plus 260 a virtual home game for ku in kansas city we go around the association to pro basketball next you're on the grid This month of March is not just about college basketball, although today begins the greatest three-week stretch in the sports calendar. It's also about the NBA and playoff positioning in the home stretch, 15 to 18 games remaining in this NBA regular season. We go around the association right here, right now, on the morning after on a Thursday, Sirius XM channel 159 and all across the SpizGrizz Network. I am Ben Stevens. He is John Shames joining us live from the Producers Pit here at our Midtown Manhattan studios. The 25-year-old is looking good on this Thursday morning. And John Shames, thank you. how about those Phoenix Suns, huh? How about those Phoenix Suns on the road last night as a four-point underdog winning outright 111.90 over the Miami Heat, the best team in the East. Phoenix, the best team in the NBA, Jonathan.
2: They're back. <laughs> the Suns are back and ready to go. Obviously, no Chris Paul. Still, we're still waiting on that return. But to see Devin Booker back in the lineup after missing his, you know, uh, a few a few games for COVID protocols, getting some good play out of Cameron Payne after he came back from an injury that, that kept him out for a couple months. I mean, the Suns are rolling right now. I'm not too down on the Heat because you no know, Jimmy Butler last night. You know, you're still still kind of working back into the full rotation there, but overall very impressive win for the suns regardless and you know when they're at full strength they are going to be they're going to be clicking on all cylinders i think
1: yeah i don't think it's any indictment on miami last night i think it just goes to show about this phoenix suns team because even without the point guard, even without d book john shames they had won three of their last four games so the depth they have i think really speaks to what phoenix can do not just right now because they are going to be the number one seed in the Western Conference, what they can do come the postseason. Of course, Phoenix showed us that last year by making a run to the NBA Championship Series. And Phoenix, as I mentioned, winning outright as a four-point underdog. The line was seven before we got the news that Devin Booker was out of the health and safety protocols, and that line worked out. And Phoenix this year, five and four against the number as an underdog, also five and four straight up, having won outright in all five of their covers and all five starters for the suns yesterday on the road in miami scoring in double figures d book leading the way a team high 23 points nine assists and eight rebounds so now we look at this from an nba title perspective because it's big picture when you have the top seed in the west and the top seed in the east and the phoenix suns entered the game against the heat john as the favorites to win the nba championship but based on that very dominant result last night on the road 20 cents of movement in phoenix's favor from plus 430 yesterday to plus 410 this morning even stronger of a hold for the phoenix suns in the nba championship market
2: yeah i mean i think you said it right people are starting to notice the depth of this team and the depth is really what got them there last year to the nba finals and i think that's that's what we're looking at again this season and you know once once we get Everyone back in the fold here. That is certainly a team to watch out for. I've always this season has I've maintained that they are probably my favorite coming out of the Western Conference. The Warriors are right there if they can get healthy too, but the Suns are definitely a force to be reckoned with, and I, I have all my eyes on them right now in the West.
1: So twenty cents of movement in favor of the Phoenix Suns, although we don't feel like anything really was an indictment last night on Miami. A dollar of movement against the Heat in this price as well, eleven to one yesterday before the game against Phoenix. 12 to 1 this morning on a Thursday March 10th here on the morning after you can also look across the Eastern Conference and this NBA championship board and see the reigning NBA title winners the Milwaukee Bucks at plus 650 the fourth shortest odds in an Eastern Conference Finals rematch last night at home against the Atlanta Hawks and the Bucks did what they did in the Eastern Conference Finals as well they won 124-115 last night over atlanta and milwaukee has been winning a ton recently six straight wins covering in five of those six games all booked as a favorite a four and a half point favorite last night for milwaukee in which they cover in the total john last night 241 stays under just the third under in the last 14 games for the milwaukee bucks so an eastern conference finals rematch in milwaukee based on the loss in miami last night for the heat In a win over the Hawks, the Milwaukee Bucks now just two games back of that top spot in the East.
2: Yeah, and I'm a bit surprised about the game going under, to be honest with you, because both of these offenses have still been clicking on on all cylinders Mm -hmm. recently. Uh, I I actually wonder, like, I was thinking about it this morning. What has changed so much for Atlanta this year that they are so much worse? Like you said, these teams were going head-to-head last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. What is it about, the, you know, the roster's the same. The coaching staff is the same. Milwaukee, on the other hand, they brought back a lot of guys. They added a few pieces as well, but they're still right there towards the top of the East. So I have to wonder, like, what is it about Atlanta this season where was it just a fluke last year? What, what's, what's the difference right now?
1: I don't know if it's your beard that looks so fantastic this morning or what, maybe <sighs> it's the lighting down in the producer's pit, but this shot is fantastic. Great to get everybody involved here in the producer's pit. John, I'm not entirely sure. What the difference for Atlanta is this year, a lot of the same roster that was back from last season. And of course, Trey Young still leading the way. But Atlanta is 31 and 34 right now, straight up. They sit in that 10th spot in the Eastern Conference standings, tied with the same win percentage as the Charlotte Hornets in a one and a half game lead for that play in tournament position over the Washington Wizards. But it is my favorite trend in the NBA. In all 34 of the Hawks' losses this year, they have failed to cover. And they haven't been a favorite in every one. In fact, they were a dog last night of four and a half points. And they still can't cover in losses. So if the Atlanta Hawks are favored to lose a basketball game, there's a good chance they're not covering as well. So as we look at the Eastern Conference odds, no real movement in this marketplace based on the results of a Wednesday night slate in the NBA. The Nets still the favorites at plus 270. The Bucks 20 cents behind it, plus 290, plus 320. The Philadelphia 76ers, oh boy. Do we have a good game on this thursday in the city of brotherly love between two of those top three odds in the brooklyn nets and the sixers we'll get to that a little bit later on in this show but john would you like to take a minute to stand up on your soapbox and preach to the accomplishments of jason tatum in the boston celtics here as of late
2: oh my god ben i walked in this morning and the first thing i said to you i think literally the first words of my mouth, out of my mouth were jason tatum best player in the nba this guy is freaking incredible man A little disappointed to see Jalen Brown only having 15 points last night. I am waiting for the day that the two of them can have big games, You know, a string of of good games together, but I will take 44 from Jason on any night. He has really stepped his game up this year. After struggling to start off, it's kind of a trend that we've seen the past couple seasons where he comes into the season maybe trying to do a little too much, not taking the best shots, but that guy – once he, once he has his head right on his shoulders and he attacks the lane and picks his three-point shooting spots better, he is truly one of the most elite scorers this game has seen in a very long time, I think. So the Celtics, they're going to ride Jason as long as he's, as he's willing to give them, and uh, I am very happy about it, I will say. Big smile on my face today.
1: It looks fantastic. Hard to argue the prolific Thanks. nature offensively of Jason Tatum, especially here in this recent stretch. 44 last night against the Hornets. The Celtics win and cover 115-101 over the buzz. And he had 54 on Sunday, of course, in that game against the Brooklyn Nets. Good? So Boston in this good stretch from Jason Tatum. It's its very good, by the way. And this stat.
2: And 98 points in two games.
1: Oh, that's pretty good math on your part, right there. You should be good a tutor, math. It not just in English, by the math. way. That was good. It was. I'm not great at mental math, so the ability to do that on the fly, very, very talented out of you, John. But these stats that I'm about to read off right now, as you know, coming from our good friend, somebody who works for Nesson in the Boston area. George Belekshi. Over the last 4 games, for Jason Tatum averaging 42 points per game, shooting nearly 50% from 3 at 47% overall, and it's led to obviously great success for the C's as well. Boston 4-0 straight up, 3-0 and 1 against the number, the only spread they did not cover, a 6-point push in that 6-point victory against the Nets on Sunday afternoon. Also do want to highlight here the Bulls snapping a 5-game losing skid last night on the road in detroit they push as a six-point closing favorite against the pistons the pistons still have covered in seven of their last nine games and the two non-covers were pushes for the detroit pistons so you see the bulls there at 16 to 1 the celtics at plus 950 in the miami heat in the eastern conference at five to one I still believe, John, there is some value. Now, this is not in the rundown as it stands currently, John. We'll get to it later in West Coast Wake Up in our third hour. But I do need your thoughts on the L.A. Lakers. The reason it's not included right here is because we did the rundown yesterday before the action on a Wednesday night, and we assumed the Lakers would, yeah, get a win at least in Houston, right? You'd think. The Lakers lose in overtime by nine points to the last place Houston Rockets 139 130 in OT the Rockets John winning outright as a seven and a half point underdog
2: dude the fact that you can lose by nine in a game that goes to overtime just tells you all Oof. that you need to know about the team. what is happening to them down the stretch I do not believe in them at all this game I think is kind of a microcosm for what their season has been you get a chance you're right there you're hanging on in the Western Conference race the, the clocks ticking you know we're getting towards the end of the season and they're just choking and choking and choking. And, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly a big disappointment for, for Laker Nation this season. Big, big benefit and big, big smile on my face again as a Celtics fan here. But it is certainly, you know, this is not how they envisioned the last couple of years of, of LeBron's career going. And, and, you know, we talked about it the other week of what are the odds that the big three is all on this team next year? I think it is getting that price is getting shorter and shorter by the day that they are all going to be out of town
1: probably plus money as of right now the lakers have lost six of their last seven and john say it with me we fade the portland trailblazers until further notice the blazers last night were a 19 point underdog against the utah jazz and they lost 123 85 jonathan they have lost six straight games they have not covered in six straight five of the six is a double digit underdog the shortest spread was eight and a half points fade portland john great stuff craig mish comes up next Right back here on the morning after on Sports Grid Series XM, Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, joined now by our Major League Baseball insider and the host of Fantasy Sports Today, each and every weekday, right here on the grid at noon Eastern Time. It is Craig Mish. We were hoping to talk about happier times, of course, when it comes to Major League Baseball, but we need another update on the lockout continuing for the Major League. So, Craig, thank you for joining us here. Maybe we'll get some picks for Conference Tournament Week to finish off this segment with some optimism. But first, we start with Major League Baseball. So, Craig, first and foremost, thank you for joining us once again on a Thursday on the
3: morning after yeah i wish uh, there were better news there was better news today but uh you know we're all hanging in there hoping for the best
1: again for the second straight week it seemed like entering yesterday there was some optimism some hope that a deal was near and near and close and close and then it wasn't and another week of series have been canceled from the major league baseball regular season pushing back opening day until at least April fourteenth at this time to begin the major league baseball season. So, Craig, as you saw this all coming down the wire yesterday, what were some of your initial reactions?
3: Yeah, I, I was very surprised that it was the international draft that, or the proposal of that, that really held this up. And and again, you know, I, I saw the tweet from Max Scherzer last night, basically saying that this was not something that they had ever agreed to and was not really you know, brought up all that much during these negotiations. But, I mean, honestly, this is something that I do think is somewhat reasonable. I understand the pushback. The players in Latin America are the lifeblood of Major League Baseball. Uh, You know, I've gotten to know a lot of the agents who cover this, who are very heavily involved in this in the Dominican Republic and Venezuela. And I think it is supremely important that the right thing is done here. But to have this held up in terms of the CBA and to have the players – not be able to come back on the field while this is being discussed is is kind of, uh, you know, shocking to me at this point. But hopefully one way or the other, they're able to resolve this. And, you know, Ben, the best way that I could put it at this point, and I was thinking about what the comparison would be, and and I guess for people who watch the show Curb Your Enthusiasm, there was an episode a couple of years ago where uh, Larry David, he created a spite store because he was just so mad at the owner from having the coffee shop. And so basically he created his own one next door. It feels like this is all about the spite store at this point. It's mm-hmm. like, we don't like you, so we're going to do this. And we don't like that, so we're going to do this. And there's just, it just like seems like sixth grade bickering at this point. And no one wants to come out of this thing feeling like they got the, the, uh, the lesser end of it. But truthfully, really, like that's what's holding this up is getting this done. I just can't believe it.
1: Craig, you are a fan of baseball for sure. But I think the casual fan of Major League Baseball watches all of these developments with anger and frustration from your MLB insider perspective, knowing how these negotiations take place. What are your emotions when you're seeing all these updates play out the way they are?
3: Yeah, I tend to be pretty even keel with this. But then what happens is, Ben, is, you know, I have these relationships with with people around the game. And they're all upset. Like, they all want to play. Like, it, it almost feels like, I mean, dare I say that maybe some different people should be negotiating this thing. Because at least from the, mm-hmm. the people that I talk to, there isn't one person, both on the player side and on the other side, too, that uh, that that thinks that this is good. And they're all like, let's just get it done. Let's just figure it out so you know it, it is obviously very frustrating um, you know i've i've gone to spring training in florida i'm now 48 so i've been going probably for almost 40 years and it was taken away from us the end of it two years ago because of the pandemic and then last year was just basically the idea was you couldn't go watch any of the practices you could only go to the games and there was social distancing all for the right reasons and now i thought we'd get a legitimate 40-day spring training and instead it looks like we're going to get about three weeks so obviously I'm sad I'm sad for a lot of the people in Florida and for Arizona Um, you know but hopefully that uh, that you know that basically that mandate that both the players and the owners put out that they're donating I think a million dollars each to the areas that I think that will help a little bit
1: Craig you mentioned it feels like sixth grade bickering and I think from an outside perspective there's a sense that the owners and Major League Baseball side won't relinquish that they want the players to agree to their deal, not vice versa. Is that a sense that you get of the negotiations happening right now?
3: I mean, I, I think for the first time over the last three days or four days, maybe even week, it does feel like the owners have made a genuine effort to get this done. I mean, that's that's the way that I feel. I feel like the tide, the perception tide has been turning a little bit. Um and, and look, in the end, was it the right move for And we don't really know because we're not in the room, but was it the right move for the owners to to basically make the international draft the most important part of this? Maybe it was not the right move, but the players essentially could have taken the high road here and said, all right, you know, look here, they're at it again. You know, they're trying to sneak something by it again. Let's just move on from this. We want to get back. And they chose to not do that. You know, they chose to fight back again. And so. Uh, Look, I I don't know in the end how this is all going to work out, but the disdain for uh, one another in this is definitely clear.
1: Yeah, Craig, the international draft was the focus yesterday. It seems like each and every time we're close on the negotiating table, something else comes up, whether it was the CBT or the pre-arbitration pool, and now the international draft throw into the mix. Why are all these new things becoming headlines as the negotiations continue on?
3: it does it does feel like uh, on the owner's side that they're trying to, you know like get ready to sign. But if there's something real quick that that can be thrown in in the end, let's try and get that done. And and look, these are very savvy, sharp negotiators uh, on the side of both sides of the players, but on the owners, especially too, because we remember the last few times that this has happened. The owners have come out on top. So I sort of understand it, and I sort of get it. But in the end, the people who were really hurt or people that are watching the show, the fans of the game, and uh, and look, and, and the players just very simply put are unwilling to take any kind of loss in this thing. And I've said it before; it, it sort of feels like on the player side, instead of you know throwing a you know nine inning complete game, it feels like they're trying to get a no hitter out of this every single time they negotiate, which is essentially not going to happen. Um, you know, I personally on the on the international side don't think that the players hold a ton of leverage here because eventually I do think this is going to happen. But I, I did feel like what the commissioner proposed, I guess, late yesterday, which essentially was, uh, you know, let's let's just talk about this for a year. And if it doesn't come in, then we'll just reinsert the qualifying offer. I mean, that, that does seem to be reasonable. I mean, the qualifying offer, Ben, it's like six players or seven players in all of Major League Baseball. This doesn't seem to be that big a deal.
1: Craig, we mentioned the international draft and that it felt like it was this new topic coming out of nowhere yesterday. Can you explain what the international draft is a little bit more for maybe the casual baseball fan?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, there there uh, is a huge market, especially in the Dominican Republic, for players at a very young age uh, to be signed and to not have to go through a process where they have to wait to be drafted by major league teams, where essentially... Players can sign for 800000 or 700000 or a million dollars and have several teams then be interested in signing them for their services. These kids could choose it based mm-hmm. on money. They could choose it based on uh, teams that they want to play for or people that have supported them throughout their entire life. And so they don't want that taken away. But in conjunction with that, you also have a lot of kids who are you know, 15, 14 years old who are essentially signed uh, You know, in theory prior to them actually being able to be eligible to play in Major League Baseball. So there's definitely two sides to this entire thing. Uh, You know, the international draft, what it could do is normalize that. It could prevent kids from signing at such a young age. But it does take the competitive advantage away from these young kids who essentially would have never had a chance to make millions of dollars. But now they do because you have two teams or three teams that are interested in their services. Now, essentially, what would happen is they would just be slotted and get a certain amount of money, very similar to the NFL draft. So I understand both sides of the argument. But essentially, uh, once they created this uh, international pool several years ago, which basically means you have a specific amount of money you can spend anyway, I really don't understand what the big hangup is here. Like, 10 years ago, Ben, you could sign an international free agent like Yassil Puig and hand this guy $50 million. You can't do that anymore anyway. You're only allowed a certain mm-hmm. amount of money that you can spend on the player. So, yes, it will hurt some players to not get the entire pool of an individual team. So, for example, the Los Angeles Dodgers, let's use them. They have $7 million in their pool. The player will no longer be able to get that. But he'll be the first pick overall, potentially, and still get a few million dollars. And then be able, like Juan Soto, to sign for hundreds of millions of dollars. So, I mean, I understand both sides, but this should not be holding up the CBA.
1: David Ortiz, Big Poppy, in reports yesterday, one of the biggest vocal voices in all of international baseball, especially in Dominican, saying that he's not opposed to the idea of an international draft, but just didn't like how it felt like it was sped up and hastily put together here on the negotiating table, that it could be... Yeah. Yeah, which is which is a fair statement to make that we can put this into practice. We just need to figure out the best circumstances in place so that players in the Dominican and in in, in international baseball are not taken advantage of. And he didn't like the timing of it. But that was some of the reporting we got yesterday as well. So, Craig, last week on the show, as we were getting another Major League Baseball lockout latest update from you, you set the over under for opening day for Major League Baseball this year on april 21st the over had some juice for sure but where would you set that over under now for opening day the earliest it can be based on what we've seen so far april 14th
3: yeah shame on me for not knowing that the 75th anniversary of jackie robinson's major league debut uh, was april 15th and ben that's going to be opening day in 2022 I i cannot see Any scenario where Major League Baseball is not back on the field on that day, it would be shameful, disgusting, embarrassing if they had to bypass that day, which is arguably the biggest maybe day in the history of professional sports with Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier and playing for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Wow. If they ever did that, I I don't think there's any coming back from that, Ben. So I am going April 15th. I'm buying that narrative. I am not selling it. Uh, I mean, these guys have got to have opening day by then. So April 15th, I'm not wavering from that until they tell me those games until we pass that day. Ben, I am not wavering from that.
1: I think the context of that, Craig, was beautifully said and very spot on because we've seen arbitrary, it seems, deadlines throughout these negotiations. That's a firm deadline of a date in history that we know, not just for Major League Baseball, not just for, for professional sports, but really for all of society on that April 15th, the 75th anniversary of when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball. I like the context of that, and I hope it brings baseball back earlier than I think a lot of fans expect right now all right Craig conference tournament week in college basketball quickly here in the final minute tell us what you have your eye on today
3: yeah I mean there's a there's a few games today for sure but one of the teams that's really hot and I think has a chance to make some noise in the NCAA tournament uh, is Colorado State they're now ranked in the top Mm. 25 I believe they're three-point favorites up to three-point favorite they were two two and a half now they are three they have this kid David Roddy who had a really good game yesterday uh, sort of following them a little bit, tailing them a little bit, and uh, look, I, I know that you know Butler is not having the season that they wanted, but they won yesterday. They're big underdogs today, and I think as you put on Twitter yesterday, uh, you know, good teams win and great teams cover. So those will be the two teams I have my eye on today. Can't wait for the tournament next week.
1: Butler has covered in four of their last five games, all as an underdog. David Roddy, the Mountain West Player of the Year, in a great conference tournament there in the Mountain West. Craig Mish breaking it down for us, both with the latest for the lockout in Major League Baseball and also a couple of games in Conference Tourney Week to keep an eye on. Craig, thank you so much, as always.
3: All right, Ben. Have a good week.
1: Fantasy Sports Today starts at noon Eastern time here on Sports We round out hour one next Hour number one of the morning after about to come to a close right here on the Spiz Grizz, otherwise known as the Sports Grid Network and Sirius XM channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. But just because hour number one is about to be done, don't you fret. Two more hours of TMA up on the other side of the break as well. And we get you set for a huge Thursday in college basketball. Conference tournament week. The countdown within an hour almost of the first day in the first game, I should say, of college hoops on this Thursday. But to round out our number one, we just finished discussing the Major League Baseball lockout with our MLB insider, Craig Misch. But now we want to hear from you. We do that in Fade the Public. So yesterday, another week of the MLB regular season, was canceled the earliest time we can have opening day it seems right now for mlb is april 14th so we asked the public do you believe that the major league baseball regular season will begin prior to memorial day the options yes in the month of april yes but just barely probably closer to mdw or no we are going to move past Memorial Day, and most of the public, just about 46% of this poll at sports Grid TV on Twitter saying, no, we're taking the over of the line set at Memorial Day. Craig Miss just said it right there on the other side before in the opening part of that segment. April 15th is the 75-year anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in Major League Baseball, and a lot of the professional sports and even societal landscape changed after that moment. That is a huge moment, a monumental day in the history of sports in Major League Baseball. That's April 15th, and that's the new over-under deadline that Craig Misch set. I agree with Craig. If they skip that day, that means that things are very, very bad for MLB. But I hope a deal is done, and we have opening day. April fifteenth for this Major League Baseball season. Our number two and a ton of college hoops. Up next here on the morning after after a sports grid news update from Alex Basant.